Good morning, good morning, good morning. Conversations with Alaskan gardeners on the air. Margaret Tharp and David Lindrum from Landscape Alaska. We're wishing you all happy gardening this morning. No question about it, the season is coming on. It's springtime. Even at our house, the snow is going. Yes. Not gone yet, but still going. We had so much snow, and it stayed so long. We ultimately turned our rain birds on the piles of snow and just ran it for days at a time. Well, you know, every year it's different. Last year it it snowed like the Dickens in March. You know, going into springtime, we all had snow. And uh, this year, the snow really came in December. Yeah, and there's stuff in bloom downtown. Yeah. Yeah, the crocus are up and flowering. It's astounding. Down there in the tropics? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, the tropics of Juneau, Alaska. That's Uh perfect. So one of the things you see is stuff starts coming alive in the springtime. Oh, by the way, this is a call-in show. Ask questions, make comments, invite us to your yard, all those kinds of things. The phone number here is 586-1800. Oh, excuse me, 907-586-1800. And that'll get you on the air with Margaret and I. You can ask us anything. Some things we'll have answers for and some things we won't. Okay, but anyway, as stuff starts coming alive in your garden and you see the little tips start poking up, that's when things need to have their first fertilizing. They need to be able to have something to... uh, They're living now on what they stored over the winter, but they want to have something to be able to replace that. And so as soon as you see things start to come alive, you do a little cultivation so things can soak in and you sprinkle the fertilizer around. Depends on what kind you're going to use. And what about the liquid feed? Is it starting into the springtime? Is it nice to use the liquid feed? Well, we have a call already. Good morning, conversations. Uh, Yes, I have a problem. The back of my yard is shady and I've tried tulips. They didn't come up. Uh, I don't know what else to do. Uh, What street are you on, ma'am? I live in the valley. Okay. So are you looking for something that will give you flowers early in the springtime? Well, I would like to have flowers all year round, but I know that's not possible. Well, it is, but you got to start somewhere. And one of the things about perennial gardens is that the perennials come up before any kind of annuals are going to give you any show. And if you want to have something that gives you color during the whole season, you make a perennial garden that has plants that come up one after the other after the other. Oh. And a good one to start with in the springtime are primroses. And uh, Juno's famous for its primrose fanatics and its primrose variety and the number of primroses that will grow here. And if you're familiar with those primroses that look kind of like golf balls on little stems? Yes. Pom-poms. Okay, that's a really good kind of primrose, and they come up and bloom real early. And you can buy them either at nurseries like ours or or any others or at the uh, annual garden sale that comes Mother's Day weekend. And this year... When they have that, it's been a kind of a bottled up demand, but I know that there will be people there selling those kinds of primroses. Okay, I'm gonna try that because I, you know, have these two wine barrels and I put tulips in there and they didn't come up. 
Yeah, things in the wine barrels, you have to have really, really tough things because they hold too much water in the wintertime. It freezes from the bottom up, and oh. it, it doesn't drain well. So if with your whiskey barrels or wine barrels or whatever they are, you could cover them so the water didn't fill them up and then freeze, you know? A, piece, a sheet of plastic or a piece of cardboard or something like that, you might have more success. Since the roots are frozen, that's okay as long as they don't drown in the ice. I see, and that's what happens. And the other plant that's really good to plant in that scenario are astilbe plants, and they take low light, they don't mind the wet, and they're pretty disease-free. And they come uh, in early summer, and in midsummer, and go into the fall, and they're very successful in something like a whiskey barrel or a wine barrel. And you have a lot of color choices too, red and pink and lavender and purple and white. And they're tough. And they're tough, and they're fragrant. Okay, so I'm going to have to come out there. Um, well, that would be great. We'd love to uh, see you. Okay, come out yeah. on the weekends. That's when we're we're there. We're not quite open yet, but give us another couple of weeks and we'll be we'll be ready for you. Okay, and you're out near where? Cuz I don't know. You, you know where Goat Hill Road is on the back? I know where Hill is. Yes. Okay. We are towards the glacier. Uh one driveway on the right and it goes all the way up to the top of the hill. If you look up Landscape Alaska, um, on the internet, you'll see a little map. And it's just past Goat Hill on the right-hand side as you head to the glacier. Okay. Well, thank you. You bet. Okay. Thanks for calling. Thanks for calling. You betcha. So you were asking about the difference between liquid fertilizer and granular fertilizer. Not so much the difference, but I think that there are times when the liquid fertilizer is an immediate boost. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like having a glass of orange juice versus just a glass of water, you know, kind of gives you a little mm-hmm. bit more. But the granular fertilizer in the long run is something that needs to be applied throughout the season, but it doesn't release as quickly as the liquid. But no matter what, whether it goes on as a liquid or it goes on as a, a granule or it goes on as clumps of manure or it goes on as, as compost and sea kelp, no matter what, it has to go into liquid form before the plants can take it up. Right. So that's what you're talking about, because immediately, if it goes on as a liquid form, the plants can take it up right away. Well, you can dissolve chicken manure in water and use that liquid, just like fish fertilizer. Uh, you just want to make sure that it's not too harsh, and you don't necessarily want to dump it on top of the plant, but around where the roots are. That's right. And that's a really critical thing. When you're looking at the at your fertilizer zone, you don't want to pile it right on top of those little emerging buds or or even pour the liquid fertilizer right on the emerging buds. Right, around the outside mm-hmm. so that it goes down into the soil and into the root mass. And in your long-term gardening program, you're really... You're really developing the soil mass as a plant supporting system rather than fertilizing individual plants. So your, your uh, time release fertilizers, your slow release organic fertilizers, your manures that are decomposing, all those things are fertilizing the big soil mass. And really that's where you're gonna wanna go. You don't wanna have it be just spot feeding the individual things. 
But in but the people, early spring, when your babies are coming up. And people who are growing, like this caller that just called, who have whiskey barrels or have hanging baskets that they've nurtured through the winter to get them out from their crawl space and their plants are still alive, a liquid feed is a real beneficial uh, Oh, absolutely. A, amendment but at the same time in the long run you do want to have something longer lasting and uh, slower release and you can find that when you look at the labels on the fertilizer package you buy or or uh, in the case of making your own with manures and composts that's less easy to see but when they when you buy a commercial product it's going to say how the fertilizer is analyzed in these three numbers nitrogen phosphorus and potash npk those are the scientific symbols for those elements and the the nitrogen is what gives you the green growth and the phosphorus gives you the vigor and the and the uh, roots and the disease resistance and the potash really focuses on the things that are going to be the products the flowers the fruit the nuts the seeds the berries and so you can adjust where you're focusing both by the the plants you want to fertilize and what time of the year you want them to go on. And soil temperature has a lot to do with it. Coming out, that's the other reason why coming out of winter, uh, the liquid feed in the the early spring is good because the soils are so still so cold that it's hard to get the other granular fertilizer to act. And if and you use, go ahead. No, that's okay. Okay, and if you're using things like like manures and slow release fertilizers, when the soils are so cold, those fertilizers depend on soil bacteria to release them, and so the soil bacteria is not very active when the soils are really cold. So if you take a fertilizer that's ready to be to be absorbed by the plant, like Mar- Miracle Grow or Rapid Grow or any of those those. Uh, Pre-packaged liquid fertilizers that come as a either a crystal or a concentrate, they're going to give you a response right away. Right. And then we're going to go into vegetable growing. Oh, there we go. Now, one of the things you think about when you when uh, when you're going to have your gardens, the soil conditions that vegetables thrive in, and the soil condition that perennial flower plants and small shrubs and big shrubs flourish in are quite different. The larger, woodier, tougher things are much more forgiving. Vegetable crops, particularly ones that come along rapidly like like lettuces and rhubarb, I mean radishes and turnips and things like that, they want a soil that's almost that's almost half air. You know, so there's plenty of of uh, airspace between the soil particles. You should be able to to fluff it up with your fingers and feel it kind of fall apart in your hands because they have, you're really relying upon them to never, never falter, never stop, to start as a seed and grow continuously and grow rapidly and and, uh, never even slow down. Right, and you don't want your soils to retain too much water. And that's what David means by soil particles need to be loose so that it's not a dense type of soil, but a loose particle grade. And it's a call-in show. Anybody listening? 907-586-1800. Okay. And so it's the leaves on a plant 
take in carbon dioxide and give off oxygen. The roots on a plant take in oxygen. And if the soil is sodden, filled with water right up to the top, then there's no ability to get oxygen to the roots. And they will both drown and starve. So you want the soil to drain away rapidly. Things that are particularly adapted to growing in saturated soils are different. And those, those stand out. There are plants that uh, when you look out at the wetlands, you can tell those are plants that can thrive where it's really wet, where there's no oxygen available. It's wet right up to the top of the soil. You step on it and it turns to water. You know, those plants are adapted to that kind of stuff. But our vegetable crops are ones that are mostly adapted to kind of the springtime free draining soils, our commercial vegetable crops that we all like to have, Swiss chard and beets, carrots, all those things want to have free draining soils. Good morning, conversations. Yeah, good morning. Uh, uh, I just wanted to say how much I enjoy your program. I have two questions. One is... Um, when you put um, <clears throat> seaweed on your garden, I always put shells on as well. Sure. Uh, should should I crush those shells first before I uh, put them on the garden? Well, I think that when you turn it over in the springtime, won't you be crushing them then? I mean, I, I don't think you really need to. I think as part of gardening, it will get crushed. Okay. They say to do that if you want to add... Uh, calcium the calcium that the shell carries but uh-huh. that takes a long time and i'm not saying it's not a worthy endeavor but i'm just saying it's uh-huh. not an immediate right. response and using your shovel and your trial and breaking it up over the long run is really kind of how all the seaweed and the shells work and i always love to okay. see shells in gardens <laughs> and there's another there's another function for the shell too and that's what we were just talking about is it that uh it allows more air space in. You're using that to stop to break up the, the heavier soils. So it's both contributing the calcium micronutrient, but it's also giving you the physical presence and breaking that stuff up. And the same thing with the seaweeds too. I mean, what they're mostly doing is what we were talking about earlier is creating a fertile soil. It's not so much the immediate effect of that feeding an individual plant, but you're creating a much more viable soil base for it. Okay, and my second question, which is kind of a funny one, um, could I grow? Could I put my onion sets in my uh, in my uh, flower garden? Why not? Yeah, and then just be careful that when the flowers get so tall that I go ahead and harvest those onions. Continuously, you betcha, and carrots and <laughs> beets and lettuce and Swiss chard, all that stuff. And plant them towards the forefront. Don't hide okay. them in the back, you know, where they're easy okay. to get to and they don't get swallowed alive by anything more vigorous than they are. And there's very little is attractive. It's, they're so beautiful looking. Those beautiful looking little onion plants with that, that gray-green tubular f- shape, they're so lovely. <laughs> they really are. Do you sell onion sets? I don't, but uh, maybe uh, Territorial Seed is a mail-order business online, and they're one of the best suppliers in the Pacific Northwest for that stuff. Okay, thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling. Uh. All right. So, uh, and springtime also means you got to go looking around and see what got hurt. You know, last weekend we had a pruning workshop looking at things that, that had been damaged during the wintertime, and we had some particular samples because our greenhouse had collapsed and we had a lot of broken things. 
but in no in everybody's yard there's things that have damage from the winter and when they're just starting to grow you can walk around and look and see the broken branches and the the crushed edges and you want to take care of all that stuff early in the year rather than wait till later when it's harder to do so plus it responds to being pruned off and starts sprouting new growth absolutely and if uh if you have an evergreen which relies on a single main stem growing up out of the top for its attractiveness and its its uh, use in your landscape scheme and the top of it gets broken out then the next set of branches are going to be competing to see which one's going to be the new top and you can see in you look around in the forest and in people's yards places where this has happened and there are plants that are very symmetrical and look very nice and then at the top of it it turns out to go in the opposite direction and there are all these competing tops and and uh in order to avoid that what you'll do as a gardener and designer is you'll choose one of those tops cut the other ones off that are around it leave a little stub of the broken top and tie that one you've selected up to that stub bend it up so that it will take the place of the one that's vanished if you're confused about that drop by and i'll show you because we had to do a whole bunch of that just recently but when they do christmas trees or you work out in the commercial landscape this is the standard practice and uh, that will let you have it have it's one single leader so it'll have a single stem going up and if you have multiple stems when they get a bit older it makes all that stuff much weaker and more prone to splitting and breaking right so um it's a call-in show 907-586-1800. Okay. Uh, we were uh, at Tyler Rental the other day looking at the new spring gardening tools. Everybody loves them. And the, the uh, onset of the battery-powered tools has really made a world of difference. And the battery-powered sweepers and blowers and, and weed eaters you and chainsaws. You can never chainsaws. have enough. Oh, they're so much fun to use and so quiet really such a wonderful thing and one of the nicest things about them is you never have to worry is is it tuned up is there something wrong with the fuel you put a battery in you push the button and it starts right up (laughs) oh what a pleasure that is i can't tell you i want everything to be battery powered and tyler rental is the perfect place to go for that and their supply of still material is ideal and not just that you know that there's the source for all kinds of of safety and protective equipment too if you want gloves you want visors you want high-vis clothing hard hats hard hats breathing apparatus hearing protection all that stuff is available from our friends at tyler and we really enjoy that good morning conversations hey good morning i live in the Mendenhall valley around mcginnis uh-huh. and i have moss taking over everything it uh uh you know, the lawn has just turned to moss, all the rocks that uh, border the gardens and even some of the shrubs. I hear you. I'm just like green moss growing up any everything. Is there anything I can do to, you know, combat that and, and fight it back a bit? Sure. We'll give you a little story on the air, okay? Sounds good. Thanks. Okay, the standard... i tell you, wait a minute. I have to honestly <laughs> say, I have, I've been taking care of yards and lot, landscapes and commercial landscapes for quite a while now. And I have never seen the moss like I see it this year. I'm aghast. Uh, you know, as a person who's spends a big part of her life 
managing landscapes and lawns are a big part of that <coughs> the amount of moss is scary so you can have the show now Dave <laughs> <laughs> and I, I assume from your conversation that a moss garden is not in your plan so the standard defense against moss is iron sulfate and that's the stuff that they have in moss out and it's, it's also available in lots of different products and you can get it just straight as a, uh, a chemical either granule or liquid also it's just iron this isn't weed and feed or anything like that it's just straight iron and moss doesn't like iron so it turns it black and then you can peel it up easily enough uh, but the worry you have about that is that as well as attacking moss it does stain concrete and rocks so you want to test it in a little bit on your rock work and see if you can accept that discoloration or whether you rather have moss on it people use pressure washers and they use uh scrapers and these all kinds of things to combat it we're in moss country that's just how it is for that this is it this year for sure it really is and if you want to put it on your lawn uh the iron sulfate kills the moss almost immediately and you can use a thatcher then to thatch the moss out or you can rake it out if you're really a very vigorous person that wants to do that and uh it turns your grass green immediately also uh, and you can reseed your lawn where there are bald spots because of the moss and encourage more grass to grow you really do want to outcompete the moss because if you just take it away it will eventually come back and also one of the things that moss likes is uh, poorly drained soils so if you're in the Mindenhall Valley you got it you got it high water table poorly drained soils small soil particles that pack together and hold the moisture no oxygen in them the plant roots don't like that stuff and you know if you have if you walk continuously in one place on your lawn and it packs it down you're going to see the same thing there too when you have the opportunity to create some new garden space or a new lawn space in particular read our article in our website about straight sand lawns Sand lawns get way less moss than lawns on dirt. And when it's raining, like it does a good part of the summer here, the water will drain away rapidly, and the kids can even play on the grass. And it doesn't get muddy. And it doesn't turn to mud. Right. The one thing about it is when you have a, you're starting a new lawn with sand, uh, keeping it moist is a challenge if you end up having a hot spell which we haven't had a hot spell for a while here but you know a few years ago we had 80 degree weather and if people were putting in lawns then it was a real challenge to keep it moist enough even with the uh, peat moss on top of the grass seed you have to keep it viable we pretty much get it gave up planting grass on dirt in new sites about five or six years ago good morning conversations good morning good morning I have a question on uh, strawberries. Okay. It's one of our favorite topics. It's a tasty one, isn't it? Um, So I bought uh, plants at the local box store last summer. They grew really well. And I put them in a container and I had them hanging. We're talking about 32 plants. And uh, I'm wondering how they're looking this spring. Did I do them an injustice by just leaving them outdoors under the snow and just let the weather get them? I don't well, think they're so. they're pretty tough 
Um, although I would have given them a little of protection, like underneath the edge of a deck or something like that, so they weren't being buried alive by all the snow we had. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did. They were. But uh, just let you, it go. Usually, usually they survive that kind of abuse. Now I can't say every time or all the time you may lose some but you may have some that will survive you'll just have to give it i would say put them in a nice sunny location if you can get them if they're in the shade get them in the sun whatever bright indirect light you have and uh give them a little bit of liquid feed and one of the things to remember about strawberries for your long-term plan with strawberries is strawberries make their fruit in august for the next year so during the month of August, you want to make sure that they never dry out. You fertilize them. You make sure that they're weeded because that's when they're creating the next year's crop. Oh, okay. Now a little... I was one, sucks. Go about ahead. pruning. Is there any pruning I need to do this spring or just... Well, take off lay. any dead leaves, you know. Boy, they, they all look dead at this uh-huh. point. Yeah, and you won't I, see them until the new leaves come, come alive. But go ahead and pick that stuff up. But don't necessarily pull them out because you don't want to pull the crown of the plant out. You might want to take a cut pair of scissors and kind of cut all the dead leaves off. And yes. uh, a little bit of liquid feed now would just encourage them to come out of dormancy. But, you know, don't drown them. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, thanks for the call. I, and let us know yeah, if they come out of it. Much. Bring us a handful of fruit when they're, in, when they're ripe. Okay, come around on August. All right. Okay, so uh, we're coming up close to the end of our show. Uh, Margaret and I are giving a program on Monday night through the Master Gardeners on uh, low-maintenance landscape design and appropriate trees and shrubs. If you want to contact the Extension Service and see if you can get on, it's a Zoom program. And so it's, it, it'll be interesting. We've done it before, and it's, it's uh, informative and fun. So we've got some uh, construction projects going on. We've got our greenhouse almost totally repaired, and we're going to put plastic on it today. And we've had a lot of help from Randy Hulse as we've gone through these programs year after year. Randy's been our construction go-to guy for many, many years. H&H Construction is always a pleasure to work with him. So our nursery's not open yet as a retail business. We're still hustling around getting things organized there, but we'll be glad to respond to you. Go ahead and give us a call or send us an email. Look at our website. There's a a contact us button there, and you can send us a message that way. And you can always just come by and look and see what we have overwintered. We have quite a bit of stock that uh, didn't get damaged in our greenhouse. Oh, most of it. Uh, And we have lots and lots that's coming alive. At the end of the winter, all our our berry bushes and spireas and lilacs and roses, they're all coming alive now, and it's so exciting. Right. It is. Okay. I love this time of year. I do, too. Margaret, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the air with me today. And uh, we'll see you again next week. And until that time, this has been Landscape Alaska, and we're wishing you all happy gardening.